The following is a member of the Growler Media Podcast Network. Find out more at growlermedia.com. Comey Snake. Well, welcome back to Escape from New York Minute. It's been a while if you have been listening to us when we did the show actually live. And uh, we got a little bonus for you here. This was Brad's brainchild. And yes, Brad is actually joining us, but he's not allowed to speak yet because I'm still doing the intro. Yeah. Uh, Molly, Molly, say hello first. Hello. Welcome yes. back, everybody. Yes. Welcome Molly to the and I are back. West Coast, best coast. <laughs> <laughs> we have a very special episode, very special episode for you. <laughs> we are going to do a commentary track of Escape from L.A., because we said all throughout the show how much we hated the sequel and we're not doing the <laughs> movies by minute, but we decided we hate it so much. Let's why not? Let's do a commentary track where we just goof on it. So I just want to I want to warn everyone ahead of time. I know there are big fans of this movie out there. If you're a big fan of this movie and you don't have a sense of humor about it, you might not like this commentary track. We're, we're, we are going to bash it. We are going to goof on it. If there's something good, we will call it out too. But just if you love the movie, I don't know that this will be for you. Just fair warning. Uh, and uh, before we do press play, uh, as I mentioned at the top, yes, Brad, the producer, we're allowing him to speak again since this was his idea. Brad is joining us for the commentary. Hey, everybody. It's uh, very excited to be here. Very excited. The shackles are off. So. <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, let's let's get to this exciting stuff right off the bat. Uh, let's just if anyone actually wants to watch along, we are going to press play here in three, two, one and play. Uh, just standard. Uh, Paramount logo opening up here. A Viacom company. Is this like an is this. I'm trying to think of when this would have, if, if this tracks, or if this is an updated logo with the more recent um, uh, version of the movie. Because I don't know, was this when did this movie come out? Ninety six, I believe. Sweet yeah, they, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I did no research whatsoever. Uh, I'm just <laughs> going in and watching this. I, I just figured, you know, I've seen it once or twice, and. Uh, that's it. We got the, I think, we, Molly, if memory serves, this is the same font, uh, the opening credits here, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, we've got a little bit of an updated soundtrack here, too. There's yeah. a little bit of this, you know, neon green, uh, pre-Matrix-y science with this. Ooh, <laughs> That's awesome. Well, isn't that sort of the failing of, one of the failings of the movie is, at some points, they're trying to make it seem like a... They're trying to they keep some things from the original movie, but then they don't have the tone right. Mm -hmm. So either you got to go in one of two directions: either make it a completely different movie, and really you would have to scrap everything. You would have to recast it, have a new snake, or you got to have it true to the original film. And instead, you have neither. It's it's not updated. They're not taking really good use of technologies, effects, um, 
but but they're going campy instead of the first one, which was really dark and grittier. This felt it just felt wrong. Yeah, sometimes new and shiny is not the right tack to take with something, you know. Well, especially half-ass new and shiny. <laughs> <laughs> Got some familiar names in the opening credits here. I see Deborah Hill produced this one again. And Kurt Russell actually a producer this time around. And of course John Carpenter doing like everything else. Yes. So let's see. We're in nineteen ninety-eight. So that means this movie is supposed to take place only a year after Escape from LA, or I guess just maybe this intro is uh is just a year after Escape from New York. Oh, there's the U.S. Police Force logo we talked so much about. And there's Uncle Ben. Yeah, Cliff Robertson playing the President of the United (laughs) States. So weird seeing him angry. (laughs) (laughs) And with a different hairpiece than he has in the Spider-Man movies as well. You know, they don't talk a lot about... Earthquakes in LA anymore. That was there were so many movies, TV shows, whatever that had a plot line of mm. yeah, it's just going to drop into the ocean. Yep. That's some terrible special effects. That building crumbling is awful. I see. Now this this earthquakes in two thousand. So okay, so now we're thirteen years after Escape from New York. Yeah, Brad, you're right. In the, in the eighties, early nineties, it's like. Every year there was a made-for-TV movie, like The Big One or 12.0 LA or whatever, where it'd be just all the entire state of California would just be destroyed. Well, wasn't that that was the plot line of uh, the first Superman movie, where Lex Luthor bought all the property on the other end of the fault and was gonna sure Otisburg. <laughs> So L.A. falls off into the sea. It's considered not part of the USA anymore. It is a deportation point for all people unfit to live in the new moral America. So it's, you know, it's 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 the same setup as the first movie. I think that we talked about this a lot, Molly, that, you know, <laughs> yep. the movie just it really it's not an original idea. They kind of just sort of remade Escape from New York. Man, that's some sweet beachfront property, though. <laughs> OC to Malibu? And same thing, if you're put on the island, you're never you're never allowed out. Alright, so now we're in 2013. Okay, so it's uh sixteen years after Escape from New York, thirteen years after the earthquake. Wait a minute, wait, Escape from Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. my math is right. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you do the math. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have Molly do the math. <laughs> now, let me just say here that uh, Molly very generously, as at, when we ended the show, uh, sent me some uh, liquor as a congratulations <laughs> for ending the show. And I, I am not a, a frequent drinker. So one of the two bottles she sent me still exists, even though it's been many, many months later. Uh, in honor of our commentary check, I, I am drinking the uh, Gentleman Jack that you sent me, Molly. Oh, that warms my heart. That's amazing. It's and warming want... my heart right now, too. Oh. 
I would have sent Brad liquor as well. In fact, I attempted to, but where Brad lives, they will not let you mail liquor. So, well, I guess Brad's town would fit in well with the USA of Escape from LA then. Yeah, well, you know, I live in New Freedom, and quite frankly, that sounds like a town that would be in Escape from LA. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to New Freedom. You can't send any liquor here. <laughs> Oh, they're talking about Snake. Uh-oh. Here comes Michelle Forbes uh, and Stacy Keach, our main cops of the movie. Stacy Keach, well-known actor, been in a million different things. Michelle Forbes, I know her most from uh, playing Ro Laren in Star Trek Next Generation. She was also in Homicide Life on the Streets, uh, which filmed in Baltimore. Um, and filmed in Baltimore when I lived outside the city. And uh, the members of the cast were, were like, everywhere. Um, and did a great job of like really giving back to the city. And for a second there, I thought that was meatloaf. I thought it was, <laughs> uh, Kirk, Captain Kirk there for a second, but. Ah, uh, okay. Oh, and just like meatloaf. <laughs> meatloaf. He does act. Could have been him. Yeah. yeah. He was uh, very good in, um, Fight Club. Yeah. I just, Snake in the same pants and jacket as he wore 16 years ago. Oh, the same shirt, too. Oh, yeah. my dude. Kurt Russell, I remember him doing interviews, and he was really proud. Rightfully, was really proud of that fact. He's like, yeah, I was able to wear the same costume that I wore in the first movie. I was like, good for you, Kurt Russell. You look great. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. You, you mentioned Shatner. I just, uh, last week at work, it was uh, as I often do, I was trying to, like, uh, explain how awesome Ben Folds is to a coworker. I was like, he even produced a Shatner album, and it's great. He's like, what are you talking about? It's like, I'll send you the song. And I sent them uh, the song uh, That's Me Trying by William Shatner, which is a really great and very sad song that William mm -hmm. Shatner sings. Sings, in quotes. <laughs> well, Has Been was my favorite song from that album. Oh, Has Been is a good one. So the whoever this guy is that's bringing Snake in, we're giving a little exposition dump here, essentially repeating Hauk's lines from Escape from New York, talking about the Purple Hearts, the youngest man decorated by the president. I guess, you know, with this movie coming out 15 years, 16 years after the original, Call there's got to be snake. some assumption. Awesome. <laughs> got to be some assumption. Some people never even probably saw the original. If they had, they saw it years and years ago. So they've got to make sure that those uh, people coming to see the movie are getting a little bit of info on exactly uh, what Snake's deal is. The hell was that? Oh. Girlfriend got a little handsy there. <laughs> <laughs> well, there was... And that was sort of the problem with making this movie at all, especially when they did, where... Escape from New York, we love the movie, but it wasn't a big, successful blockbuster hit movie. They make this movie now, and Kurt Russell is a major star now. Um, and make, making this movie now, you're not going to... You don't shoot for a cult following. Hey, it's always great when you have a cult classic movie. 
but that's not what you shoot for. So they're trying to make this blockbuster movie based that's a sequel to an financially unsuccessful movie. If this were to happen today, they would make it. It's like okay, well, this isn't something we should release in theaters. Let's make a Netflix show, Hulu show. Mm -hmm. There's so many other options. Just just like they did the Dark Crystal. Interestingly enough, Brad, you actually, uh, with with your other movies by minute, Army of Darkness, that was kind of a big budget sequel to a cult movie that also was turned into a TV show years later. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, going from Evil Dead to Army of Darkness to Ash vs. Evil Dead, which was also really weird because they couldn't they were very limited in what they could reference from Army of Darkness in Ash vs. the Evil Dead because there was like a lot of rights issues. Which studio owned the rights to which movie? Hmm, that's interesting. So here comes the setup now. In the first movie, it was the president. This movie, it's the president's daughter. In a scrunchie. Pink <laughs> scrunchie. <gasps> oh, gosh. Oh, who's that? She was in My So-Called Life. Yes! She was wonderful in that. Yes! Yes! So she has hijacked the Air Force 3. We also... (laughs) There was a scene before of Snake walking down a corridor with them saying, if you want to be electrocuted uh, instead of going in, we'll do it now. Again, a repeat from the original movie, except this time they upped the empty. They actually showed the people being electrocuted. Funny watching electrocution played for laughs. Yes, yes. <laughs> it was what the point to the point you made, Brad, about you know they they took the original instead of keeping with the same tone of the original. They they went you know a little more on the lighter side, darker humor aspect of it. The 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 first thing that usually pops into people's mind, you think of that is Gremlins, where you had the first movie was, it was dark comedy, but there was also a lot of horror to it. And then the second movie just completely spoofs the first movie on purpose. Oh, you know, and yeah, it, you, you definitely get a sense that, that there was a bit of that going on here. Yeah, with the second Gremlins, the best part of that second movie was when they bring up, like, uh, President's Day, and Phoebe Cates is like, oh, don't bring up... And then she yes. basically did a speech making fun of her speech from the first one, like the ridiculous way her dad died on Christmas. Yes. Uh, so now we're finding out the president's daughter has been addicted, gotten addicted, basically, to virtual reality. And this is and... like a Che Guevara kind of a... Like a basement, bargain basement Che Guevara? Yeah. Cuervo Jones. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely Che Guevara influence. Here's a quick trivia. Uh, Do you know how Che Guevara got the name Che? Che? No. Doesn't Che mean like dude or something like that? Or man or something like that? Yeah, basically it's just, it's an expression like that that he would say all the time. Oof. So it'd be like, if you walked around saying, dude, what are you doing? Dude, we, and then they're just like, well, we're just going to call him dude. <laughs> That's amazing. I really like Stacey Keach. So here we go, once again, being offered a full pardon if he returns back with the thing they need. 
In fact, they even, even just sounds said, familiar. Yeah, yeah, there we go. They're even acknowledging <laughs> the very fact that this is all a repeat. Now, it's interesting. He just said to Cliff Robertson, who are you? Who, of course, and he says, I'm the president, which makes me think of uh, when Hauk says, you know, the president uh, went down in the city and Snake says, president of what? You know, and, and Hauk says, that's not funny, Pliskin. Uh, but with the adding in the context then of this scene here, Snake legitimately might have been like president of what? He might not have been joking. Once again, referring to just like New York. <laughs> so once again, he's been injected with something that will kill him. <laughs> uh, turns out that that woman Molly that we said, "What the hell was that?" that scratched him before. She injected uh, him with something, and that's why they think he's going to help them. Oh! Oh! And there's a oh! countdown clock. Even. <laughs> countdown clock. <laughs> Folks, this is a major reason why we just always were goofing on this movie. It just John Carpenter didn't even bother coming up with an original idea for it. It's just a it's it's what you would call these days a soft reboot almost, I guess. Yeah, it's kind of a desperado of its time. Actually, I think maybe Desperado came out in like 95 or 96. I wish I knew what that meant. Oh, um Robert Robert Rodriguez. Oh yeah, he um, Rodriguez did the movie Mariachi, and he did it for like five thousand um, dollars, and did some really innovative stuff on the cheap. And then they's like, okay, well, we're going to give you money to make a sequel, but you know, basically redoing so much of the stuff that it was barely a sequel. It's just okay, we're going to you know just do the same movie with a much better looking cast. Hmm. The same with Evil Dead. I mean, Evil Dead 2. Right, right. Just took Bruce Campbell, who was really the only member cast, member cast member of the first movie that had real potential movie star charisma. Now we're getting the table weapon scene, just like the first movie here. I see some throwing stars, some guns, some kind of mouth dart. A mouth dart? That's, That's pretty it, sweet. It, I, I, yeah. <laughs> hologram projector. You don't see throwing are, stars I, in movies anymore. Yeah. No, you really don't. Yeah. Just at the state fair. <laughs> <laughs> Anything with a safety catch here, like Hauk was so excited about? I don't see any safety catches. So I do want to say that, you know, when I heard they were making this movie, so I was in college, I guess, when this when they announced this movie and when it came out. And, you know, as as I said on the show, and we, we had my sister on the show, this was one of those movies I watched a lot growing up. And I was really excited 
when they they heard they were making this movie, it was like 15 years later. Wow, who would ever thought they would have made a sequel? I remember seeing the trailer. You know, Kurt Russell comes on the screen for the trailer, and you know he's like, you know, your rules are beginning to annoy me. And, and <laughs> I was like, oh, this is I can't believe this. This is so awesome. And I was really excited to see this movie. I mean, I did not go into it with a mindset like I would now where movies are getting rebooted and remade and coming back after so many years because it wasn't really done that much back then in the 90s. And I, I was really pumped up and I just, I felt very let down by the movie. And I'm sure that colors what I say about it and what I think about it because I was so hyped up for it going in. Mm, yeah. uh, but I really wanted this movie to be good and I really wanted to like it. And I just, I really was very disappointed. I'm just going to call BS on something here. He, they just show him getting dressed, and he puts his gloves on before he puts on his shirt. It's like, that that just strikes me as wrong. It is wrong. Gloves are the last thing you put on, right? <laughs> <laughs> Not when you got the ladies watching Kurt Russell with the shirt off. Uh, and he's a fit guy. And, uh, the way they assign dietitians and uh, instructors to the people. Everyone's in just incredibly, insanely jacked shape now. Kurt Russell, he's, he's a fit guy, but it's not like he, he didn't have it. You know, they show him with his shirt off. Doesn't have a six pack, doesn't have like uh, muscles on top of his muscles. He, God, he, he, in the shape he's in, He'd be the nerdy sidekick to Chris Evans in a Captain America movie. Mm, yeah, it's an it's interesting to see how physique has changed over time. But I don't know that I even care for that like hyper Wolverine Hugh Jackman look. Honestly, it's like it's really over the top for me. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, the the best movie of the Wolverine movies, anything involving Wolverine, was in Logan, where it was a little toned down, and it didn't look so, uh, weird thing to say, but it didn't look as comic booky. Mm, yeah. So there's a lot of... Uh... Use of holograms here at the beginning of the movie. I wonder oh, if that's oh, foreshadowing of something that might happen later on. <laughs> also, let me just call bullshit. It's a hologram. He shoots him and does it goes right through him. And then he walks over and he closes the lid. Okay. <laughs> Which is it? <laughs> if you're a hologram, then you're not going to immediately like touch something and close a lid. <laughs> Come on, man. Here's a little twisting upside down from Escape from New York. Instead of him flying in, he's taking a submarine in. So first movie by air, this one by sea. This is a great shot of him. Um, the way the light's sort of reflecting off of Russell's face, and it makes him look a little weathered and worn. They're not credit given. They're not trying to make him look pretty. Mm, mm-hmm. Because Russell's, he, he's a rugged guy. Yeah, and I like that about this. I like that he's not, like, you know, prettied up. You know? 
Because you can tell, I mean, if you're a fan of the previous movie, Escape from New York, then you can really see that time has elapsed and shit's been rough for him. And he looks a little slightly worse for the wear. And I like that. Oh, this is terrible CGI. <laughs> yeah, now this movie is right is is almost exactly halfway between the release of Jurassic Park and Phantom Menace two real like bellwether CGI movies. So mm. it's post Jurassic Park, so the technology was certainly there. Um it's pre Phantom Menace. So they hadn't quite learned how to ruin movies with CGI yet. <laughs> I remember watching Phantom Menace in theaters and I was like, what the hell? I paid money for this. <laughs> Here's the call back to the wireframe sequence. Oh, and there's a shark. Oh, there's Universal Studios building, uh, so he's, he's underwater because L.A. fell into the sea, so we're getting a little kind of a water world-ish underwater shot here of some L.A. landmarks uh, underwater. Now, Molly, uh, of course, I, w- I was the expert for Escape from New York, but as our resident West Coast, you <laughs> could be our expert here for this one. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Universal is is north well, at least the, the actual lot. I worked on the Universal lot, and it's, like, kind of in the valley, um, separate from the, uh, the the park itself. But it's interesting to see what they're, how, how referential this is going to actually be for, for locations. Mm. Oops. Uh-oh. Wow. Just... Well... He didn't lose the uh, Gulf Flyer till late in the Escape from New York. He has already lost the submarine here. Is that some kind of inside joke at all, Molly, that they should Mulholland drive or anything? Or Well, Mulholland is like up like really nice homes twist through the valley. So there's like a, a canyon that runs from like uh north uh I guess it's like northern part of Los Angeles versus like, you know, the other side where you've got Santa Monica and Beverly Hills. Beverly Hills kind of like spans it a little bit. Wasn't, the Mulholland's like really like nice homes. Wasn't like, Mulholland Drive a David Lynch movie as well? Yep. Yes, yes. One of those mindfuck kind of movies I love, yes.
Yeah, like uh, was pretty well known for a pretty racy scene with um, Rebecca Romaine, wasn't it? Not Rebecca Romaine. Uh, Naomi Watts. Oh, now here's Peter Fonda. Oh! I mean, uh, we've got a Fonda here in this movie. <laughs> and uh, kind of talking like he talks. Come on, man. He, um, I'm a big fan of the Gilbert Gottfried podcast. And he was uh, a guest once. And he still, you know, talks far out, man. Still talking that way into his 80s. That's awesome. What is Gilbert Godfrey like in a podcast format? Like, is that, is he just like normal or is he just fucking nuts the whole no, time? No, he's Gilbert Godfrey. Okay. He's, yeah, which is exactly why I listen. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but he, it's a serious podcast. He's not, he's not. Oh, it's I've not listened to a little bit. Oh, no. <laughs> but, but he's a, a real fan of the show movies and stuff that he well, talks about. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he he brings on, it's a lot of like old Hollywood people or, you know, people who've been around a long time. The joke is that like the youngest guest ever was like 85 years old. Um, so he brings in people he's a fan of that he legitimately, you know, likes and, and respects. But he's Gilbert Gottfried when he's on the show, though. You know, I mean, it's it's, you know, pure X-rated Gilbert Gottfried stuff, though. Yeah, Rebecca Romaine. I mean, Rebecca Peter Fonda has had such a weird goddamn career. He's done terrible movies. And then, like, in between, like, sort of like a Nicolas Cage thing where once every 10 years he just did <laughs> enough to put in a really good performance and get Oscar consideration. So an interesting change from Escape from New York where he was walking around in empty streets everywhere. Here, the, the streets are crowded in L.A. They can actually afford extras. Up, <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's in the theater. Are, are we going to repeat the theater? The theater scene. I I really don't remember much about this, so it's kind of interesting to. It'd be great if we that. could have Roger Bumpus back on. It's like, Roger, are you in this scene? <laughs> I feel like Billy Zane should be here. Uh, well, <laughs> I want Billy Zane to be everywhere. I'm a Billy Zane fan. He's kind of great, I gotta say. Shout out to Billy Zane. Wherever you are, man. I hope life's treating you well. <laughs> I just give uh, Zane credit for, uh, like, just embracing the fact that he is a bald guy. Amen. He was, um... I'm talking about our, our friend Roger Bumpus, known as Squidward, best known as Squidward, who was nice enough to come on the show, and I still have his phone number in my uh, my iPhone. <laughs> it says like Roger, uh, quote unquote, uh, Squidward Bumpus, and like I have used it to impress several of my kids' friends, and every time it's like, can you call Squidward? It's like, no, no, no I'm not going to call. I should not just call him. <laughs> Oh. oh, our first kill. Yeah, that was good. Yeah, kind of casual-like. He doesn't have time for that shit. <laughs> that is a huge gun. <laughs> Sunset! I don't know what Hollywood's like now, but when I lived there, it was like a part of it was a real shithole, just saying. But like, there's a part of Sunset that's not. Yeah, Hollywood is not as sexy as one might think. Isn't there stories like 
Rodeo Drive and stuff like that. These places that you think are all glamorous and you've seen in movies. If you actually go there, it's like, oh, it's it's actually really unimpressive. And the stories of people, tourists who come and get out and it's like Rodeo Drive and look around. And it's like I want to get out of here. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Rodeo's pretty, well, I mean, you know, LA's big, but yeah, the the proper Beverly Hills area is like, you're like, oh, okay, it's this. It's not, yeah, it's not as, like, glittery as you, oh, there's some random ass cheeks there. That I was just going to say, uh, <laughs> ass hanging out. Yeah. Good Lord, all of a sudden it turned into a Fast and Furious movie. <laughs> oh, boy. So, um, hopefully my oldest son never listens to this. <laughs> because he has become obsessed with the Fast and the Furious movies. Oh, no. He's, he's almost 11, so I, I guess he's a good age for that. And he used some uh, graduation money, his uh, elementary school graduation money, to buy the eight DVD set. And he asked me if I would watch the movies all with him in order. And I said, well, of course, I'm your dad. I, I, my rule is, as long as Julia Roberts isn't in it, I'll watch any movie you want me to. And um, we've watched the first three so far. And I think they're absolutely awful. Mm. But uh, obviously, I, you know, I, I said, I, you know, he said, do you like them? I said, well, they're not really my cup of tea, but I told you I'll watch all of them with you. So That's well, love is what that yeah. is. That's love. <laughs> you hear that, listeners? That's a pure fatherly love there. He's going to sit for <laughs> all that shit for his child. Well, so you've only gone for, through the first three. Yeah. Those, those movies change so much. That's what I that's what he's been telling me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now I'm not saying that the other ones are good. But, <laughs> but you you know, the first movie was they were trying to steal T V VCR combos. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They they get different. <laughs> <laughs> uh well we got Snake on a motorcycle here. He's chasing the president's daughter. Oh, there's a nice callback. The car he's chasing with the president's daughter has a disco ball on the trunk, it looks like. Probably a little bit of a callback to the Duke's car. There's the Che Guevara lookalike. I just still can't believe that's the girl from... The, the, girl from the, the, the sort of obnoxious best friend for my so-called life. Yeah, I mean, this would have taken, because this is 1996, so this would have been concurrent with her filming that. So this was kind of like her moment. Oh, and come on, guys. Here. He's five feet away from you, and you can't hit him with one bullet from your two machine guns pointing at Snake popping a wheelie. Oh, of course, the person riding the horse has a big sombrero hanging down over uh, his back. Um, so I, uh, unfortunate stereotypes still at play. We had a few in the 1981 escape from New York and looks like we still sticking with some here. No, oh, it was quite a landing on the back of that truck with his motorcycle. Thank God it came to an exact stop. These trucks are obviously going about two miles an hour. Shake <laughs> right, Ivar throwing the bolos at Snake. And it worked. You don't see bolos in movies too much anymore. I'm thinking nah. of this. Uh, romancing the Stone, and that's about it. 
Unless you consider what the Ewoks throw at the Stormtroopers' uh, bolos. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That was pretty successful. This is going to be a hologram, isn't it? Oh, we, we know what Bangkok rules oh, are. I, okay. Yeah, I... <laughs> <laughs> Tell us, Snake, what are Bangkok rules? <laughs> uh, he is uh, picking something up off the ground. Possibly a little whiskey bottle. I'm not sure. I think it's a tin can. Ah, uh, okay. Is Nobody it... draws it until it hits the ground. All right, those are Bangkok rules. Hey. <sighs> oh, snake, you trickster. <laughs> this sort of reminds me of a problem I have with uh, the John Wick movies. And I like the John Wick movies well enough. But they spend the entire movie talking about how badass John Wick is in every movie. And then there's always that scene where they have him at their mercy and they back off to make it a fair fight. It's like, no, don't get into a fair fight with John Wick. He'll murder everyone you know because he's sad about his dog. Same thing. You know, it's everyone knows this is Snake Plissken. You have the drop on him. Just shoot him. Well, that's the classic movie bad guy cliche you know? i know it's every time though it's like come on guys i kind of like stage stacy keach's um ponytail in this it's, it's got a little bit of a cigar thing going on Mm-hmm. yeah i think it's working for him where do we is, is where, where do we all best know stacy keach from um I know he was in uh, the blue and the gray, that '80s Civil War TV miniseries that was not North and South. Right, mm. right, right. Uh, he was Mike Hammer, TV show Mike Hammer. I remember, and I remember when he was Hammer. Um, then I remember him as the dad in Titus. And it was one of those weird things, like this guy that you remember sort of being a virile TV lead actor, and I was like, oh, now it's time for him to start playing dads. Steve Buscemi. What was the joke on uh, uh, Family Guy? Uh, Buscemi. All of his teeth go into are going into business for themselves. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess he's probably this movie's version of Cabby. Yeah, yeah. Which is a role he's made for. Yeah. Did you guys ever watch Boardwalk Empire? Uh, I have not. No, I know it's. It's a TV show that's trying to convince you that he's the leading man. Yeah. It's uh it's worthwhile. It really is. I mean, I think it's a it's an acquired taste, but it's it's really quite excellent. Well, I mean, it, that was sort of HBO's thing, 
right? It, these really well cast, well directed, well lit, great music, like good shows, but they don't do crowd pleasing stuff. It, it's always a challenge, mm-hmm. and it's worth it if you can get through it. But they don't really make stuff that's easy to watch. Yeah, even that's Game true. of Thrones. And I know people love Game of Thrones, and I've seen Game of Thrones, and I like it. It was, you know, it, it's certainly well done, but they're they're tough shows to watch. So Snake has entered Beverly Hills now, which, uh, to your point from before, Molly, you know, with people's perceptions of things, of course, when you hear Beverly Hills, you think of very, very rich celebrities and giant houses with pool houses in the back, secluded private roads. I think this is actually the Beverly Hills Hotel. No, he passed. Like, this, he, he was. Um, he walked past a sign on the street that said Beverly Hills. Yeah, but there was also on the side of the building. I think that's the Beverly Hills Hotel. I mean, which is you know Beverly Hills, but yeah, that's yeah goes to, goes to the point where this is uh, no longer the the chic idea that we think of. Oh Jesus! Whoops! Dude just got uh, netted there. Sort of like that. Just be patient. It's like, eh, he's never dead. <laughs> now we've got some sort of freaky operating room, I guess, here with people in wacky, creepy robes. Not the most and sterile of environments. Nurses that have gotten a lot of plastic surgery apparently <laughs> oh, that woman's face was wacko it's like a french joan jet yeah i believe those are people's eyeballs there on that tray oh there's yeah. a uh, that's uh, a head Looks like that crazy. Uh, she looks like that crazy lion woman. Was... Or the people from that uh, Twilight Zone episode. Mm. The pig faces. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Oh, look at him, Elephant Man. They made fun of that on an episode of SNL where it was Pamela Anderson, and she didn't. She looked like Pamela Anderson, and they were still all commenting about how hot she was. Like <laughs> yeah. And there he is. The man himself, Bruce Campbell. Would not have recognized it if you hadn't said that. I know. Well, we're watching with subtitles, so that doesn't help. So you don't get the... And they've made the rest of his face look as uh, exaggerated as his chin. Right. I read uh, Bruce Campbell's book, uh, If If Chins Could Kill. <laughs> And he talked about when he was hired for this, and uh, eh, he just got a handful. Oh. Well, I think uh, this actress is familiar. Who is this? I, I don't know. We're gonna the one that's strapped down to the table. All right, whatever. We got Bruce Campbell on screen anyway. 
Bruce Campbell but, and Kurt Russell together. Uh, but Bruce Campbell talked about working on this movie. He said, first off, uh, Carpenter said, "Is like, listen, we we don't don't overdo it. Like, basically, don't be campy. This is a serious movie. You know, don't do your thing of being campy." Bruce Campbell's like, "I'm never trying to be campy." Oh, <laughs> oh there's the spit dart right into Bruce oh. Campbell's head. Oh, no. <laughs> he was very lucky that he got the hand to fall down and release him at that exact second. Otherwise, <laughs> it would just be embarrassing. Some other movies I'm being reminded of with these weird, wacky nurse faces. Uh, Brazil. Oh, yeah. And yeah. Uh, Star Trek Insurrection. Hmm. What is her last name? Golina? Golina? Ah, Valeria Golina. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. She's in uh, Running Man, I believe. Oh, okay. And maybe is also in Rain Man. Yeah. Which means she's got the career cornered on our man movies, now that I think about it. Oh, she's Italian, not French. Those guys running around, they look like the sand people from Star Wars. <laughs> With the cloaks oh, and the way do. they're running. <laughs> Have you guys watched Mandalorian? Oh yeah, of course. I love that we got like more into their their, their inner society. That was like the best like post Star Wars thing I think that's come out of this Mandalorian. I really enjoyed that. Okay, so Valeria Golina is indeed in Rain Man, but is not in Running Man. So I don't know who the hell I'm thinking about from Running Man. Oh, Maria Conchita Alonso's in Running Man. Okay. I mean, certainly, you know, Carpenter certainly was ambitious with this. You know, he got a lot of name people for small roles. Um, you know, he obviously had a much bigger budget than Escape from New York. I mean, the, the ambition was there, but just it, the execution just was not. Yeah, I think it needed to be an original piece. You know, I don't think that Escape from New York really needed to have this kind of remade, higher budget treatment. I can see why he wanted to do it, but I don't think it's, it was necessary. He could have just done something, like, newer. yeah. Well, and some directors do better with smaller budgets. Like, they're forced to be creative and think things through. And mm. if it's too easy, then... And he's also using some technology and some CGI that hasn't been perfected yet. Yeah. Yeah, and that actually doesn't, you know, offend me in this movie. You know, it just seems like a something of its time. It's the story that I think I, I find to be... Uh, less forgivable. All right, this is this movie's version of the Chock Full of Nuts Girl, I guess. Yep. Oh, goodness. 
Oh, take care of him. I wonder what she means. He's just all business. <laughs> I, I give them credit for that. Because action movies, especially around this era, there was a lot of, hey, we were just shooting at each other, or we just got shot at, let's find a place to shut up. Huh. Well, that's moving. That's interesting. I was a Muslim yeah. in South Dakota, and they made it a crime. Huh. Yeah, we're we're taking a moment to to get to know her a little better. Yeah. Once again, we have this uh, car hinge situation that was. These burnt out vehicles kind of laying around. Oh, oh! Well, that was quick. Wow, they were super literal with that chock full of nuts girl. <laughs> I kind of thought for a minute she was going to be around for a while. Oh. Should have gone back to her place, my dude. That really was abrupt. It really was. I just, I thought maybe there was going to be a, a small future, but wow, that really, yeah, not so much. That feels like a thing where they only had a week of her for filming and it's like, ah, we got to, we, we, we can't get a second scene from her. <laughs> Which just proves the old adage, do not go to a second location with Snake Plissken. <laughs> <laughs> That's a t-shirt. Hey, it's a Rouge de Cabbie. And that is a beautiful car. Isn't it? I mean, look, the interior is gorgeous. Oh, how sexy is that? I better be a bitch to Parallel Park, though. Are we looking at a Cadillac? Is that Cadillac convertible? Uh, I don't know. You know what? I, I I am not the best car guy. Yeah, I'm not really. A, I, I drive a Honda Fit. I obviously don't get a sh give a shit about what I drive. <laughs> you drive a Civic? No, no, a Honda Fit. Oh, a Honda Fit. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, Honda Fit that makes a Civic look like a Porsche. <laughs> Uh-oh. 
Well, it looks like Steve Buscemi was was not the kind guy we thought he was going to be. Wisconsin, my former home. Oh, him. Okay. Oh, he's one of those guys, yeah. Yeah, from Seven. He was, uh... I think he was the Lust? He was the Lust guy? Yeah, Seven. He was, uh... Wasn't he Caster Troy's brother in Face Off? Yep. Uh, he's been in the Taken movies as, yep. uh... That's what I recognize him from, the Taken movies. Really distinct actor with... A bit of range, although you're always uncomfortable around him. <laughs> Even when he's a good guy, he's like he's a good guy that probably has a meth problem and probably some really, you know, weird porn on his computer. <laughs> <laughs> and so here's the big crux of the plot that they, they want to release an EMP that will shut down all electronics on the entire planet. Which I gotta say, we have been hearing for a couple of decades at this point, right? About, you know, oh, an EMP, you know, all, all a country's got to do is send an EMP in the air and it'll, they'll take their enemy out and there'll be no way to stop it. And then you could just be easily invaded. Nobody's done it. Um, I'll, I'll believe it when I see it. Of course it's 666. <laughs> Could be 1234. <laughs> or 12345. The same combination is on my luggage. Yes. <laughs> 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 they're making sure that Snake doesn't miss leg day. I was going to say, is he, are they having him walk on a treadmill or something? What's going on there? Yeah, it's a treadmill. They turn the treadmill on? And he... <laughs> but it's not even fast or anything. It's no, just... it's pretty slow. Plus I guess walk. it's just like, like the old you know water torture thing. You're just slowly dropping you know the water one drop at a time. Just very slowly and painfully just drive him crazy. Oh, I thought he was going to go more X-rated with that. Yeah. When he said, bent over, Mr. President. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus. Well, the the president's wife is named Eve, keeping with the sort of religious undertone that this president has, I guess. 
Boomer just got really scared. It's okay. The United States will be okay, puppy. Oh. The Happy Kingdom? Yes, I, I believe that was, uh, if memory serves, that that's this movie's stand-in for Disney uh, Disneyland. Ah, got it. I guess I, I guess Wally World would be too obvious. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be great if, like, during the, the climax of the movie, like, the family truckster with Clark Griswold driving just suddenly comes in and saves the day. <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is part of the Lampoon's Vacation Extended Universe. Ah, <laughs> uh, this obviously is supposed to be the LA Coliseum. Kurt Russell's got a good, confident walk. Good for you, Kurt Russell. <laughs> I just feel if I was like ordered to have a, like a long walking scene in a movie, all of a sudden I would just forget how to walk. I'd be like, right, okay, do I? How do I do one foot in front of the other? Well, he is wearing leather pants, and I feel like that that, you know, kind of adds a little something, you know. I think you walk a little bolder when you're wearing leather pants. Yeah, you're looking pretty Thunderdome here. Well, we've got, well, most likely, uh, this is the battle with slag uh, copy scene we're probably going to get here. Oh, uh, no, I know what this is. This is a pretty ridiculous scene. No, come on, Brad. Stop it. <laughs> no way. Oh, no. Oh! Oh! oh. Nice plunge. Shot clock. Ha, ha, ha. Oh. That seems awfully high stakes. <laughs> oh, they really? even got white... uh, yeah, j just like in a real basketball game, the, the the guys that come and sweep the sweat off the floor. Oh. Where did they, did they make those? Or where do you pick something like that up? Those, like, head shears. Oh. Oh. I feel like head shears, guys, is someone we probably have known. What was that, Ox Baker? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. he, he, he's the pro wrestler or the, uh, you know... Strongman anvil thrower in, in this movie. Looking quickly here at this movie's Wikipedia page, um, lest anyone who is a fan of the movie has decided to stick with it and, and listen <laughs> to trash it, the budget of this movie was $50 million. So um, I'm trying wow. to remember when Escape from New York, that was like what? Was it less than 10? Oh yeah, yeah. Very small. It only made twenty five and a half million at the box office. 
Mm. So it lost, it, it only made half of its budget. So, I mean, it was a huge loss. Yeah, and folks, when it makes $25 million, that doesn't mean that, go, that doesn't all go against the budget because they only get like 50%. Fifty percent mm-hmm. goes to the theater and the other half. So they probably made like twelve million. And we're watching this shit for free with our Amazon Prime membership. <laughs> They're not making it back from us. <laughs> what do you think would be um I'm trying to think of what would be the biggest financial moneymaker for John Carpenter. Um, No no three-point bullshit. Did I mean? I mean, was is Halloween not considered? Did did not? I mean, Halloween must have been on a very low budget. Did he not make a lot of money uh, as far as like percentage-wise off of Halloween? See, that must be what it is. His money is probably made from small, like micro-budgeted movies that surprise you. So they cost a million and make ten million and stuff like that. All right, so Snake's got to get. Uh, what do you say? Ten points. Ten yeah. points. Okay, with no three pointers. No three pointers. All right, that's two. And four. All right. A little slow-mo action here. Just like a classic 80s, 90s sports movie. It's so weird because why would he be good at basketball? (laughs) (laughs) He does not strike me as the kind of guy that gave a crap about sports at any point in his life. Up, oh, he's at eight. One more shot. And he's a savant at basketball? Like, what? Up, <laughs> oh, the half court chuck. That's not even half court. He's like under the other net. Fish. Wow. Really? Sports. Really? There's a fucking Robert Ory throw at the end of this? <laughs> like, ridiculous. You know, it, it really is actually a really good costume. Kurt <laughs> Russell looks good. <laughs> he it, does. You know? And it's aged well. They didn't. <laughs> when you go simple Brown black, was, it works. Brown that was booing, now chanting his name, just like in the first movie. Rules are rules. Man, you missed that shot, and you've got a scope? So this actress that you guys have been talking about here that was also in My So-Called Life is married to the uh, 
Earl of Devon. Oh. In, uh, in the UK, and so she is actually now a lady. She's uh, huh. the, the Countess of Devon. That wow. really weird. That's... Go Ray Lynn, that's awesome. <laughs> she... She has a lot of charisma and a lot of presence. Attractive But something that doesn't work... I don't know if, if what she has works as a leading lady. So I think she might have been in like a weird thing where... She, she, I think she was hard to cast. Hmm. I mean, the thing I know her most from there's a she's in a Seinfeld episode uh, where George uh, has to read a book about risk and doesn't want to do it, so he takes on a, a mentee to read it for him, and she she's the mentee he takes on to read it for him. Oh God, yeah. Yeah, I can't remember the last time I saw her or anything. Oh, it's Rayanne. I keep, like, screwing up. It's Rayanne is the name from My So-Called Life. Anyway, um, looks like the last thing that she did was in 2013 called Kristen's Christmas Past. So. Well, I mean, if she's a countess now, she doesn't need to work. That's true. What's her real name? A.J. Langer. Okay. I remember seeing her not that long ago where it was like one of, remember when VH1 was doing those like best year evers mm-hmm. and they interviewed her about um, my so-called life. And, and she's definitely uh, my so-called life. One of those shows that that only lasted one year and everybody who saw it, very few people saw it, but everyone who did loved it. Yeah, it was oddly and, groundbreaking for its time. Yeah, I mean, so many women between the age of 35 and 45 still are desperately in love with Jared Leto because of that movie. I mean, that show. <laughs> yeah. Jordan Catalano. I know. So- <laughs> <laughs> Wilson Cruz, though, he's, like, doing okay. He's on the new uh, Star Trek Discovery. Oh, looks like Steve Buscemi just shot Snake. Now he's got the black box. So uh, kind of again, similar to what went on with the cassette in Escape from New York, where the president has it. And then um, Romero gets it, and then it ends up with Cabby before Snake finally takes it. Where it keeps, you know, moving around. Woo! Water slide! 
in the sewer. Uh, now here comes this. <laughs> we're getting up to the part of the movie where I really just I get I, I I I saw this movie in the theaters. And we're getting to the part of the movie now. It's coming up right here where I just finally gave up and said, okay, this movie's just, it's not going to redeem itself. It's just, this movie is just out of control. Uh, oh, maybe not just yet. Is Buscemi really the one person you want going after the badass? Because, you know, it doesn't really seem like a good bring me the hero's head sort of guy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. It's a poor it's management always. decision. <laughs> Now, I, the summer this this came out, I I was a cashier uh, in a movie theater, so I actually got I got to see the movie for free at least. Uh, you get you know free tickets when you work in the movie theater, and I remember on the marquee. This was the days before digital marquees there, so where we sold the tickets, we all had to you know change the letters on on the thing. And for Escape from L.A., we would for each movie we would always list the two main stars of a movie. So for this one they had us put Kurt Russell and Peter Fonda, who's obviously not the number two star of the movie, but he's the second biggest name probably in the movie. I remember people would come in and be like, Peter Fonda? <laughs> <laughs> Peter Fonda's an escape from L.A.? Well, and it's also a thing where Peter Fonda is, is certainly a name, but it, it, what, he, he did Easy Rider and, you know, that was pretty much it. Like, he, uh, here it he comes. Really, oh my god. Here we go. This, this is, is it. This is when I gave up. The surfing scene. I have a feeling a lot of people finally gave up at this scene too. This is more ridiculous than him knowing how to sh- him being a basketball yeah, prodigy. This is real. I mean just this to me is just this is an absolutely ridiculous scene. Snake is perfectly hanging 10 here on this super oh. monster wave with bad CGI I might add. I mean it, it's it's really fake looking. Um and then they high five. Sure. And then they high five. <laughs> I just like, okay, I get what this movie is. I'm uh, okay, whatever. <laughs> him wanting to high five is more ridiculous than him being able to surf. <laughs> yeah, it's true. This is some real like triple X vibes, like the movie Triple X with Vin Diesel. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Not like <laughs> I should let me clarify that. Porn do you want? I, uh, you know Triple X to me means only one thing with the way my brain works, so yeah, I'm glad you clarified. Yeah. So I was just like after it came out of my mouth, I was like, wait a minute, let's that that really niche high fiving porn. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh baby, show me your palm. I wonder if at any point, you know, not remembering this movie that well, is there going to be a nobody walks in L.A. joke at some point? Mm. Uh. 
the, <laughs> the first time I ever flew was on a flight for a company I worked for to Los Angeles. And it was like me and three other coworkers. We had one rental between all of us. And I, and, and I wasn't the senior person, so I didn't get the, the keys to it. I was like, <laughs> ah, I'm just going to go for a walk. I was like, really? You're going to be that guy who comes from the East Coast and decides to walk in LA? It's like, I don't have anything else to do. <laughs> oh, you got his hat back. Snake gives up his gun kind of easy. Yeah, that's not the kind of thing I'd expect Snake to do. Not only that, but it's interesting that the guy accepts the gun and doesn't pat him down, doesn't assume he's got other guns. That's some really tight leather he's wearing. <laughs> Snake's even limping again, just like in the first movie. Is this our version of brain? Perhaps. Well, it's Pam Greer. Pam Greer. Now we're watching this with subtitles, so we're sort of losing the joke here that she, they digitally altered Pam Greer's voice, so she sounds like a man. Right. It's supposed to be a man who's had a sex change. Yeah. And it's Carjack Eddie. So much like with Fresno Bob. Uh, we've got uh, wacky nicknames for everybody. Oh, Texas Mike O'Shea. <laughs> <laughs> and the name's Hershey. Last pa- uh. mm. Ah, I get it. One of the henchmen, is that the guy from um, uh, Die Hard, the guy who stole the candy bar? Let's see. Al Leong, you mean? Yeah. Let me see here. Uh, yes, it is. In the back of the, in the oh, middle. Oh, yeah. Yep. Another guy who's been in everything. He's also Genghis Khan in Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. I, that guy is, he was in the movie Frantic with Harrison Ford, where Harrison Ford shoved him and he did it like a back spin kick and knocked Harrison Ford out with one kick. And I was so happy for him. 
Because in real life, he's a badass who's lost every fight in every movie he's ever been in. It's like, thank God they finally gave him a win. Uh, it says here he was also in They Live in Big Trouble in Little China, so he's one of those John Carpenter guys. Yeah, I thought he was one of those, uh, the gods in Big Trouble in Little China. It's funny, he was also in Big Trouble in Little Tokyo. A completely unrelated movie uh, starring Dolph Lundgren and Brandon Lee before we cared about Brandon Lee. Oh, that's right. The Five. I, something, uh, I, Molly, I always like to uh, goof around with my sister about who lives in California. How on the West Coast, everything is like the 405, the 5, uh, just using the word the and then the number of the highway. Whereas here in the East Coast, we'll say I-95 or uh, we don't use the, well, you know, 287, something like that. Really? Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, that's definitely a West Coast thing. Well, the 5 out, <laughs> see, the 5 runs um, from Canada to Mexico all the way through. It's, uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe you guys just have like more dense like highways and so makes sense to do that. A few seconds ago we had uh the Hollywood sign burning. I guess you can't get through a movie called Escape from LA without showing some kind of version of a Hollywood sign. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and they're hang gliding now. Jeez. Oh, Christ. boy. So he can play basketball, and he can surf perfectly, and he can hang glide. Is there anything Snake Plissken can't do? Well, here's the thing. This by itself would actually make sense. I could buy a guy with his military experience. Yeah, okay, yeah. That you could almost make work. The surfing just didn't freaking work. <laughs> yeah. I don't know that the baby head dolls on this caddy work either, to be honest with you. No, I agree. I, I, I get what they're going for, like a creepy kind of thing, but it's just, it just, it's just kind of stupid. <laughs> All right, so now we're in Disneyland, quote-unquote Happy Kingdom by the Sea or whatever it's called. Uh, you know, that's supposed to be Cinderella's castle, obviously, there. That big mountain probably supposed to be the bobsled Matterhorn. You guys remember there was a movie a couple of years ago. It was ultra-low budget filmed on, like, iPhones. They filmed a horror movie in Disney World. And... Like, a, like a slush, kind of? Yeah. Nice little Bank of America sign there. That's bad CGI, that helicopter landing there. Our friends, the uh. U.S. police force getting attacked. 
Yeah, that's a really crap job. It's like, hey guys, we, we want we want you to drop this off. It's like, uh, no. You know, the thing about Cliff Roberts in this movie, he's not really given anything to do. <laughs> like, he's like he's playing the president. He's he's ultimately he's really the main bad guy of the movie. He's Cliff Robertson. Uh, but he's kind of just sitting around. He's taking shit from uh, Stacy Keach. He's, you know, doing a lot of hang, hand wringing, as we see right now. Um, he's just he's not really given anything to do. Is there yeah, a you're cactus right. he... in between these guys? I'm yes, sorry. it's a cactus. <laughs> you missed it. Yeah, we missed it before. Stacy Keach was uh, spraying water on his cacti before. <laughs> I guess it's a little quirk they gave his character for some reason. <laughs> but you're right. The president doesn't get a lot to do. And also, he's supposed to be the main bad guy, but he also gets cowed by Stacy Keach a couple times. Yes, yes. So that hurts because Keach... You know, sort of being presented, you know, he's a jerk and he's a scoundrel, but he also is a soldier and there's some integrity with him. So, but then you have him sort of parking down the president. So it, it sort of undercuts both of the characters. So a little joke there about Euro Disney. They said this place kept changing hands multiple times. That place in Paris really killed them. Little uh, dated joke there about Euro Disney not being so great, which makes me think of that Simpsons episode where they show Euro Itchy and Scratchy Land and there's nobody there. <laughs> Hello! Hello! Jesus Christ. Work that hang glider snake. God. Yeah, no, he's he's not an easy target at all. Just a really slow moving guy in the slow moving guy in the air. Yeah, like the wing are the wings made of bulletproof material? Because why are the bullets not just filling that thing with holes so he immediately comes down? like the third of the Star Wars prequels, like, I have the higher ground. You can't defeat me. (laughs) (laughs) There goes Al Leong. Sorry if I'm mispronouncing that. God bless him. He's like... Oh, I love that guy. He was also... He was one of those guys that was in, like, every... I played a bad guy at some point in every 80s hour-long TV show. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Mr. T's definitely kicked his ass. Yay team, he'd show up in the fall guy, he'd shoot up in chips, you just knew he would eventually would be a bad guy in all those episodes. 
And he spends like the first thirty years of his life becoming an expert in martial arts, and he then gets like knocked out by George Pappard. <laughs> I hope we at least Ow. get a better final battle between Snake and Cuervo Jones than we did between Snake and the Duke. It was like the one criticism I had of the movie was that the final fight between the two of them lasted like 15 seconds. Well, it's definitely a longer fight, but I I don't think Guerrero is not a lot of presence or Chris. I don't buy him as an opponent for Snake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Duke had a lot of gravitas. Yeah. Yeah, kick his ass, Snake. He's done. But Steve Buscemi's character, if we were, if we had done this movie, Movies by Minute, I would have kept track of how many times Steve Buscemi's character changes sides. Oh, yeah. He's mm. up to like eight at this point. Oh, oh, thank God you get your coat. Yeah. Well, it's like Indiana Jones hat, you know. You gotta have it. Ooh, that's kind of cool, though. There's just this awesome uh, fan blade that came out of the top of this, like, amazing helicopter. The design's good. I I don't know the CGI. uh, Good design. Uh, the execution might be a little... It's just... It doesn't look like it's part of the world around it. It doesn't, but I appreciate the the animation. It, yeah, it was a nice little surprise. They're like, ooh, you had a little thing there. It was a little... Maybe they were hoping that the Snake Plissken toy line was going to take off. Yeah. Uh... You know, with the I... retro action figures that companies keep releasing these days, they're, I I think there's a Snake Plissken action figure, but... I don't think they've done anyone else from the movie, you know? No. I, th- I feel like I've seen Snake Plissken action figures. Like, I'm not talking about, like, the big expensive, like, $400 ones that are, like, really nice, you know, giant statues. I'm talking your basic three and three quarter inch action figure. I feel like I've seen those. I wonder uh, how many I, times... I'm going to look that up quick. I wonder how many times Kurt Russell's been turned into an action figure. There's yeah. got to be a handful, right? Yeah. Okay, there is a Snake Plissken action figure, but I don't think I've... I mean, just at the very least, there oh. should be a Duke action figure. Oh, my God. Buscemi's the one who who shoots... Cuervo. Good for you, Buscemi. 
<laughs> that was not a good death roll. <laughs> I I looked that guy up at one point when we were watching this, and I I, have, I can't I couldn't recognize anything else that I've seen him in. Uh, the ho- the uh, uh, Cuervo Jones uh, actor. And How so nice once did... <laughs> Go ahead. How nice did they kill everyone in the back seat? <laughs> the don't quite reach the front row. Yes. And also all the, the non-consequential uh, actor, uh, characters as well. <laughs> I don't know that you want the guy who's going to die of a neurotoxicity, you know, driving that rig. <laughs> just saying. And once again, just like movie number one, uh, he's getting over the wall right as we're getting close to zero on the clock. Good to know you can still get thigh-high boots on the island of Los Angeles. <laughs> <laughs> oh! Uh-oh. Did Snake die? Would they have the guts to kill Snake in the sequel? Oh. What happened? This is a random thought. What Did I miss something? What happened to the Valeria Galino character? Oh, yeah. She was the chock full of nuts girl. She got shot. I completely missed her getting shot. It was sudden. It was. I wonder. Well, was that when I was going and refilling my drink? It was. Yeah. Ah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I thought she was going to make it. I really. But yeah, this or, is falling for formula. To the third act. Yeah. She just was like they had two scenes together and then she got shot. There's no reason for name calling. <laughs> uh, so once again, kind of with the whole meta spoofing your own first movie, the toxin was fake. It was just a standard flu virus, not a death toxin. And so we kind of, you know, sort of, you know, goofing on the first movie there. And then they really hadn't. Oh, okay. For there, there looked like Keach was more concerned for her. Or but no, he still. Yeah. I don't know if I really caught on to everyone's motivations all the way. No, and that that's part of the problem. Is I, I I'm not either. 
<laughs> like creating his God. own scripture there. <laughs> you gotta love Kurt Russell. He's just acting the hell out of this. <laughs> and it's tough because Snake's supposed to be sort of a man of few words, so it's hard to like go big while still trying to be stoic. Uh, now, Stacy Keach says, I was wondering if you tried some kind of lame switch this time. Uh, referring, of course, to the cassette switch in Escape from New York. No women? Yeah. Horrible. Uh, oh. no, no red meat? You know, Keach doesn't look like a guy who'd be down with that. No. So early, I, I think we, uh, yeah, earlier it said something about that Cuba and Brazil were going to invade Florida and Uganda and another country were going to be invading um, from the south. Final solution. Yeah. Wow. But, they, they Mr. Went President, let's come up with a better term. Yeah. And the switch worked. Yeah. You got the president live on TV just like he did in the first one. <laughs> I see camera. <laughs> Switch that camera around. Oh, that's great. <laughs> we got a real Luke in the Last Jedi scene here going on. <laughs> but is he really there? <laughs> So, God, I have problems with this. I know Snake is presented as sort of amoral, but 
you just think if you were to do an EMP that would wipe out all the elect- all electronics in the entire world. How many people are on ventilators? How many people have... Uh, heck. Um, right. Pacemakers, everything like that. It's like you're right. killing right. a billion people uh, or on planes. Oh, right. Right. Yeah. Right. Some more pretty shitty CGI. Yeah, that's pretty bad. I guess he's of the Thanos mindset of uh, sacrifice uh, some to save everyone else. But it's not even like you. It's not like he wants to save anybody else. He's like, ah, I just want you to leave me alone. Mm-hmm. It's a man who believes in being off grid. <laughs> <laughs> well, hard, easy to be off grid when there is no grid. Yeah. It just so happens to be a, a pack of cigarettes. It's not American only, spirits. Yeah, Brad, not just <laughs> cigarettes, but American spirit cigarettes. <laughs> now, I know the three of us have been watching this on mute so the audio wouldn't uh, bleed through. But um, for anyone that's watching along with us that has the audio up, this is a, there's a cool, typical John Carpenter song that's been playing during this whole scene, this is kind of like <laughs> Oh, little fourth wall breaking here. Welcome to the human race. And there we go. Wow. <sighs> Well, uh, it's as bad as I remember it being. <laughs> Brecken Meyer, Robert Carradine. Oh, there's all kinds of people in this movie. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. They really had a problem in the center, air, center section with everything from the basketball... Sh- the basket shooting contest to uh, the surfing is like, wow, this is this is bad, and it's campy, and it's silly, and it makes Snake do stuff that Snake shouldn't be doing. Mm-hmm. And, I- you know, it, for each character like this, especially the kind of characters, you need to sort of have a Bible of stuff they do and do not uh, that is or is not within character. It's sort of like uh, uh, they talked about in Friday the 13th movies, Jason Voorhees never runs because mm. it doesn't look right if he's running. And, you know, there should be a thing. It's like, okay, St. Bliskin, what do we know about him? He's tough, he's monotone, doesn't surf. <laughs> <laughs> not into sports. Now, there's no way Snake Plissken... Ever, I, I know Kurt Russell was a minor league baseball player, but Snake Plissken did not ever play any sports. Maybe boxing. Yeah. 
And did I miss yeah. what happened? Did, did Pam Greer's character? What happened to her character? I think was she blown up in the back row of the helicopter? Oh. Oh. And Steve Buscemi, he fell out of the helicopter, but he was still alive, though. He yeah, was, he yeah. Was he just got alive. left. Because he was like, um, come back! And it was like, no! <laughs> there were some... I think they suffered... They, there was some good casting. Hey, you know, Buscemi, this was a good Buscemi role. Yes. Um, was, yeah, he's actually, he was kind of the highlight of the movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cliff Robertson and Stacey Keach does good casting, but they didn't know what to do with them. Yeah, they didn't, they didn't really have anything to do. Um, and honestly, you could have just turned those two characters into one character. You didn't need the president and a head military guy. Mm. Um, it's almost like they were, again, trying to recreate from the first movie how Stacey Keach... Remy, Michelle Forbes, and then the Secretary of State, the President. Yeah, I'm kind of curious what the impetus was to to really remake it. You know, I just, I wonder, you know, what about John Carpenter? Like, what about the the original that he was dissatisfied with it, that he felt the need to have to, like, remake it? You know? Because I really feel like this is like a, it's, it's, it's almost a straightforward remake. Yeah. I wonder, I would love to know sort of the specifics of how long have they been trying to get this movie remade? Could it just been a thing of Kurt Russell was kind of hot at this point. Um, he was on that run where tombstone and he was doing a movie every year. He was doing one movie a year and they weren't, big budget movies but you know they were theatrical films and he would you know they would always like make their money back plus a little and I wonder if it was the thing is like okay we gotta make another Kurt Russell movie why don't what what is what do we have that we could do a sequel to well we can, we're not gonna do another tombstone um so oh well people seem to like this and it's like the closest thing he has to an iconic character well, here's the only info from Wikipedia. Now, I know it's, it's Wikipedia, so there's, obviously there's a lot more info out there online, I'm sure, if anyone wants to look. But it's just one paragraph. It says, the film was in development for over 10 years. At one point, a script was commissioned in 1987, but Carpenter described that script as too light and too campy, which is a bit ironic considering the movie ended up getting made. And time, Carpenter and Kurt Russell got together to write with Deborah Hill, Carpenter insists it was Russell's persistence that allowed the film to be made. Snake Plissken was a character he loved and wanted to play again. So you, you kind of hit on it there, Brad, that it was really Kurt Russell wanted to return to this character. And that's really what got the movie made. Yeah, so I, I would love to know, if, like, are they trying to get this movie made? And then they say, okay, you can make it. Here's your budget. But you, you have to have it by. And a lot of times, and we're seeing it really now with, I was recording this for deep into the COVID situation where release dates are very important. And they wanted, and this was a summer release. 
Yes. So it's like, okay, you, here's your money, but you need to have this done by. You, you, it has to be ready to go by whatever was released date, July fifteenth, just to pick out a date. So they didn't have time to like, because a good script can take a long time to put together. It's like, ah, let's just hit the great, you know, do the greatest hits from the original movie, and we'll be fine. Yeah, I mean, I can kind of see that this is a tentpole movie. And, you know, I think of, you know, Batman Forever came out a year before this. So, you know, I'm wondering if there was a little bit more of that camp that was happening, you know, in general. And, and I mean, I understand that, like, I mean, he's an, Snake is an amazing character. He's an iconic character. But I find it really interesting that they really push this to, like, an action tentpole because they really could have pushed this towards something that was a little bit more dark and artistic, which I think really Escape from New York, you know, was and that there was a, so much more political layering in it. And I just I, I find it very curious that they chose to make it uh, as two dimensional as it was, you know, coming from, you know, the context originally, you know, and, you know, Cash is King. So I'm sure that's, you know, plays a part in that. But uh, I just find them to be very fascinating choices, you know, all things considered. Here's here's a quote from John Carpenter. This, this actually comments on a lot of stuff that uh, you've both been saying the last couple of minutes. He says, Escape from L.A. is better than the first movie. Ten times better. It's got more... <laughs> God bless it's you, got Pat. more to it. It's more mature. It's got a lot more to it. I think some people didn't like it because they felt it was a remake, not a sequel. I suppose it's the old question whether you like Rio Bravo or El Dorado better. They're essentially the same movie. They both have their strengths and weaknesses. I don't know. You never know why a movie's going to make it or not. People didn't want to see Escape that time, but they really didn't want to see the thing. You just wait. You've got to give me a little while. People will say, you know, what was wrong with me? Mm. Yeah, what was wrong with you, John? Especially now that I see you saying it's ten times better. And when was where was when was that quote made? Um, hold on, let me uh, let's see here. That quote is from. Uh, I'm not able. I don't know if I can see when this article is from. I, I don't know. I, I I don't have the year of when the article's from. Well, here's the only thing I'll say from that. I, I want I want to know if that quote was made when there was still a financial stake in the movie. Like he said it after it had been in because he's making it sound like it was definitely after the movie had been released in theaters. But it was after it was released in theaters, but still had yet to come out on uh, on VHS, and still wanted people to come out and see the movie because. Uh, directors, actors, people in entertainment are filthy, filthy liars. <laughs> and, okay, here's yeah. No, go ahead. Well, I just remember one uh, one article I read years ago, uh, and the person said is like the best acting you will ever see. The absolute best actor you'll ever see is when they interview um, you know, Michael Caine. And he says on the red carpet, 
that Jaws the Revenge is the best Jaws movie yet. <laughs> and he says it with complete <laughs> conviction. And you know damn well that he knows he's this movie is garbage. But it's garbage that he stars in and he has a financial stake in it being successful. And I would love to know if John Carpenter said that be like when before the VHS was to come out to try to get people because you know the more money, more tapes that are sold, the more money he makes. Yeah, I, I'm I'm going through this interview some more, and and the 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 interviewer says, "Why do you think the thing succeeded, and Escape from L.A. failed?" And he says, "Succeeded in what way? I mean, Escape from L.A. made more money than the thing, but I I, I don't think you could find anyone that would say Escape from L.A. is a better movie than the thing." No, and also there was the oh, the thing. So he's basing it solely on the fact that the Escape from L.A. made more money than the thing. First of all, it came out 15 years later, so inflation. Uh, right, and the thing. What was the budget on it? I'm looking at Wikipedia. The thing's budget was 15 million, and it made 19 million. And Escape from L.A. How much did you say it made? 25. Like, yeah, it made twenty five million and it cost fifty million. So. Right. So like it made more money net, but I mean it lost a ton of money. Yeah, what's the Yeah, yeah. It's like if you give me a billion dollars, I guarantee you I'll make it, you know, a million dollars, but that yeah, doesn't right. help. Right. Mm-hmm. But listeners, I will be willing to make the chance. Give me a billion dollars and we'll see what we can do with this. <laughs> <laughs> I guarantee we will. Eric and I will find Eric Amalie and I will find time to make more minute by minute podcasts with that sort of uh, financing behind us. Ah, <laughs> uh, well, this has been a blast, guys. Uh, we got to we forced ourselves to watch Escape from L.A. again, even though none of us wanted to. Um, <laughs> I hope everyone uh, enjoyed spending time with us here. Uh, as we had this little reunion show. All right, do, do any of us have anything to plug? Um, I would plug Escape from New York Minute, but that's what people are listening to right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, Molly, what about you? Uh, well, the only thing that I have to uh, really plug right now is that I started a like art print jewelry t-shirt mug company called snicker and sass so it's snicker dash n is a nancy dash sass.com and then you can follow me at sticker and sass on instagram and so if you like weed jokes and inappropriate dick jokes and art then you can follow me over there all right well yeah i mean uh for me just to remind everyone to check out the cosmic geppetto podcast eric and molly have been parts of been a part of that show several times, and it's always great to have them back. So, yeah, I'm feeling really good. Uh, feeling really good, Eric. Really good. <laughs> Except. Okay. What's <laughs> <laughs> going on? You know, I. You're not getting uh, me with a full scored outro, dude. Molly agreed to do the outro. <laughs> you're not doing it. I know what, I know what you're trying to do. I did the intro. Molly's doing the outro. Oh, okay. Well, see, here's my issue, Molly. You know, <laughs> I'm stuck in this. Uh, I, I'm stuck in the house. I'm, I'm like on the second floor. The kids are all over the first floor. I'm like, I don't know how to get by them, but I do have an eye patch, 
So, uh, you know, what am I going to do, Molly? How, how, how am I going to get out of the situation? Well, I suggest you hop over the wall. well thank you guys for joining us for this very special episode of escape from new york minute which is actually now escape from la and we did this together and it was good and uh we we threatened that we would never do it but we did do it and at least we can say Yes, definitively, it is not better, and we will not be doing this minute by minute, but you have this <laughs> joyful little ride along with us, and um, thank you for joining us, and uh, we'll see you on the other side of the wall. By the way, guys, I am fucking hammered. <laughs> <laughs> you did so good! Holy shit, I am loaded. The last half hour, I was just completely plastered. That's amazing. God, you really like you're I would have never known. <laughs> you were just like really thoughtful and articulate and on oh, top of shit and I think I was a lot louder in the last half hour. <laughs> <laughs>